Welcome to Trilogy in Theory. My name is Webb, and this is my co-host Mike, and we are at episode 100. Well, how about that? A contentious 100 <laughs> on you, because you disagree with the numbering system. <laughs> <laughs> A little bit. You know, we had that conversation very briefly, because as I was um, editing the last episode, I realized, like, wait a minute, because I don't include our introductory episode as an episode, but... Because it doesn't matter. It's either this movie that we're going to talk about today or the next one. Either way, I don't know if it's worthy. I think it works better with the start of a new trilogy as opposed to, well, we're in the second episode this month and it's episode 100. Forget about the prior one. That one, that was just a, a run through. This right. is the real thing. Right. So I think, yeah, let's start fresh here. Also, were you uh, one of the people, um, you know, when it turned uh, 2000? That you're like, yeah, we're in the new century. Because I was not one of those guys. I was like, no, <laughs> this is the finale. <laughs> 2001 is the start. Something's brewing at D&D. Wow! Al Pacino! It's not Al anymore. It's Dunk. Dunkachino? Don't mind if I do. What's my name? Dunkachino. It's a whole new game. Dunkachino. You want creamy goodness? I'm your friend. Say hello to my chocolate blend. Attica, kuwa, lucky light. This whole trial is out of sight. They put me back in with hazelnut too. Caramel swirl. I know it was you. Everyone wants my Dunkachino. Can't get enough of my Dunkachino. Kids from 7 to 17 lining up for my Dunkachino. What's my name? Dunkachino. Dunkachino. And boom, there you have it. It's actually 32 seconds, so I got to lose two seconds. Maybe you can tell me what, what part you would lose, but I think we are getting there. Burn this. I'm sorry? This must never be seen by anyone. If you didn't like all those close-ups, we can, we can, no, this is not the final cut. There's no doubt we can, we can. All copies. Destroy them. You want me to play it again? Has anybody seen this? Nobody has seen this. Uh, they have to be found and talked to. All right. episode 100 we're kind of celebrating in two separate ways and i think we'll talk about that when we get to the wrap-up but for this episode specifically how can we not talk about one of the greatest films of all time well the franchise not so much a specific one but we're talking the godfather part three yeah if you stopped reading the title <laughs> at a certain <laughs> point you think this is a fantastic selection and we appreciate your impatience to click play and just move on with your life. Thank you. 
one of the things that Coppola wanted to do originally is not call it The Godfather Part 3 because he felt like that was going to put too much pressure on the film and he didn't want to have that expectation because obviously it's hard to live up to one and the fact that they did a Part 2 that's looked as even better. I don't think so, but it's quite good. Let me ask you a trivia question. Is this the the uh, the answer to the riddle in Scream 2 during the college film discussion class of a sequel ever being superior to uh, the original film? I can't remember if this is the final answer. Is it uh, T2? Is Empire Strikes Back? I feel like all of those get mentioned in the debate. You know, the one movie I don't remember getting mentioned is Aliens. And I, I oh, like yeah, it more. Another, yeah. There is a sequel out there that's better. I'm certain of it. Nothing comes to mind right now, but I'm sure as soon as we hang up... Definitely not this one. Not what we're going to talk about. (laughs) No, not at all. No, Godfather 1. It's a damn near perfect film. It's the fastest three hours, I think, in film history. At least for me. It's just so riveting. Um, it's a film about immigration, and that's something that I really uh, – so, somebody on Twitter years ago meant, like, what's your favorite film about immigration? And uh, immediately Godfather came to mind. I don't know if people think about Godfather as an immigration film, but it is to me. It's I mean, it uh, opens tremendous. With, I believe in America, so – That's right. I think so. I mean, <laughs> you're really <laughs> choosing to not believe – in open borders or even what the concept of America is. If you can't see immigration in the Godfather at all, like what are you talking about? <laughs> Every time I watch it, I feel like enough time passes in between viewings where I'm like, okay, Godfather's pretty good. Like, you know, why not put it on? And then at the end of it, I was like, what the fuck am I talking about? This is, am- this is even better. Than- Every viewing of the Godfather for me is better than the last. I think that filmmakers would like your perspective. I think they would appreciate your quasi insult of is it really that good and then coming back and being like oh yes it is you're so uh, i'm sorry i ever doubted you uh because that's you know people always say if uh at least in cinephile circles like i wish i could experience a movie again for the first time and it sounds like you're able to do that with at least godfather part one i am and there are other films like the phantom menace is another one where i'm like it wasn't that bad and then i watch it and i was like you know you want to poke <laughs> right, your right. eye out with a big you had pen. to go mean didn't you you had to go the opposite <laughs> way i thought you were gonna have a pretty spicy take there like oh well phantom menace but nope nope he went for the ain't it cool news message board day gag right there he just <laughs> pissed all over lucas so i'm just saying i have that experience all, all over the spectrum uh Godfather 2 is a film that I often start because I'm in such a such a high at the end of Godfather 1 and I go right into it and then I lose interest like halfway through. For this viewing of Godfather 3, I decided to, I'm going to, I hate to use the word power through Godfather 2, but that's kind of what I had to do. But ultimately, it's a very rewarding experience. It's a very sprawling film, right? Uh, it, it's, it doesn't seem as focused nor as intimate as the first one, until the end where Michael is kind of tying up all the loose ends and realizing what uh, has to happen with his family as, as his married life is breaking down. By the way, Diane Keaton, it, it, I I think it's a bad performance in Godfather 2. Uh, especially that pivotal scene where she reveals that her miscarriage is not a miscarriage. It goes on for longer than than you think, and this time I I, I couldn't help but 
not laugh, but just chuckle to myself the whole time, you know. It, 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 it was it was a, a miscarriage. No, Michael, it was an abortion. It was an abortion, Michael. Abortion. Have I said abortion enough? It was a lot of that for me. I don't know why. Previewing some of the heavy-handed dialogue that we would get in The Godfather Part 3, where yes. Diane Keaton and Al Pacino just exchanged, here's what you were about. I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to speak to you like a normal human. I'm going to explain that you're the classic archetype of a narcissist. Let me just explain what that means to you. Not Coppola and Puzo's uh, finest finest hour, uh, or three for the Godfather Part Three. <laughs> no, not at all. By the in three, we get stuff like I wanted to protect you from the horror. You were my horror, Michael. That's why I had an abortion. <laughs> she didn't say that, but <laughs> it's a lot of really soap opera. It was very soap opera level stuff in three. Despite despite all the problems I have with two in terms of just like, it, while it's not, I don't believe it to be his focus. It's still a tremendous film, especially all of the Vito Corleone stuff. One of the I believe two uh, characters in film history that have received Oscars from two different actors. Now we've got him and the Joker, and if you can think of another one, I knew you were going to think of the Joker. I knew that you had that one. <laughs> penciled in as a superior character and performance for the Godfather. <laughs> you know what? I'll ask you. Which Vito Corleone performance did you like more? Did you like Brando or did you prefer De Niro's? Mm, actually, I like De Niro's performance more, but I'm much like... I've heard often people say, how can you pick between Godfather 1 and 2? For me, it's always been 1. Like, I felt like yeah. 1 is so far superior. So I like... I like Vito as the older man who always I mean, he had a favorite son of Michael and didn't want him involved in this. I like that dynamic, that struggle in the first film. But I do think that as far as if I'm just watching that character's interactions, um, the younger immigrant story of the guy basically seeing the direction his life can go of, of, of being spat in the face and just taken from and just deciding to flip it and be like, no, I think I'm going to take things. I think I think I'll decide not to do that and I'm going to be I I like seeing De Niro work sort of behind his eyes because it's such a counterpoint at least to the early Pacino performances where you feel like you get nothing from his eyes. And I know that was part yeah. of the production complication is the studio they were horrified by Pacino at least in the the dailies for the Godfather because like he's he's not doing anything like what is it what he's not even reacting to anything. he's not he is not pulling a dying Keaton he is not explaining himself <laughs> over and over again but then we would get to the Godfather Part Three and even the Coda version which you and I watched I got to watch theatrically uh, on my birthday this year that was the, my birthday film and uh, my wife made it clear that she only sat through it and didn't walk out because it was my, my birthday. <laughs> Such <laughs> her hatred. She's a little bit, God bless her. Um, she's Johnny come lately to the, uh, film community's hate for the Godfather because she was watched Godfather one and two with me, loved them. And she did not know she was about to get sucker punched by the drop off in quality. <laughs> for three. <laughs> But that's the thing. Coppola wanted to call it Coda, you know, the death of Michael Corleone, because he wanted it to be a summation of the first two. I have no idea why. And, well, I mean, 
what is 1984 he made one from the heart and and it ruined the rest of his career essentially because he had to pay back all the money he lost from uh, one from the heart so I, I godfather 3 is just one in a string of films where he's like okay he is now officially a director for hire you know what is it jack dracula rumblefish a bunch of these films that he did just all right let's let's although i would say dracula is a pretty impressive work for hire if that's the case yeah it is it is yeah so uh roman coppola i'm gonna give him a lot of credit because uh, the art direction on that film is just stupendous and it did get a 4k upgrade recently and and i i, I want to watch it in its full glory as soon as godfather 3 opens and you see michael for the first time he is obviously a very different michael not not only just the character, but the look. As soon as I saw, for, I don't know, I had never seen Godfather 3 before this. And so as soon as I saw him, I saw the Al Pacino of the 90s, essentially that hair, very dirty. And, and immediately I got the over-the-top Al Pacino vibe right away. And this is pre-Heat. Heat is one of his, Heat, uh, The Insider, there are a couple performances there. In Al Pacino's career later on, but ultimately, few and far between. So, right away, I had a negative response to it. The, uh, and honestly, throughout the film, I it it doesn't really uh, it doesn't feel like the same character. And and I guess that's the whole point. Uh, one of the things that Coppola talked about in his commentary for the film is that he didn't want it to be the same Michael Corleone that the audience uh, loved from the first two films. And I'm like, did we love Michael? Did you love Michael in one and two? I don't... Th- I-, I didn't. No. He was a villain. No, I think my my grand granny uh, loved Michael Corleone because she always said that's that's where I got my name was from, from that character. My mom disagrees with this. Uh, she's like, I actually had a say in this. I like the name. It's, it's not that I like that sadistic murderer of her of brothers. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get into the plot after Michael is introduced and it is, I, I don't know what the hell happens in Godfather three. The Vatican is involved. Uh, they kind of uh, stab him in the back. Uh, a little bit after taking all his money, but I I really don't know what's going on in this movie, Mike. I had a hard time really sort of centering myself on when this takes place. That's one thing that's really impressive if you've watched the other two uh, recently is I think they give you a, a setting, a time and place in America. And granted, when you and I came to those films, uh, you know, I didn't, I saw them. Probably in the late '90s was my first experience with The Godfather. So it's already old, right? It's already like, well, this this came out in the '70s. Um, the Godfather Three coming out in 1990, not so much. But watching it now in 2022, I was like, what is this? How? So wait, how old is my? Are, are, I, was, I was trying to look at like, is it a season of Mad Men? Did they just move them up since what 74 i was like so is this 16 years later where is this in the corleone michael corleone sort of legacy um i can see what he's trying to do with the hair but i feel like it's like everything else it's very off-putting i don't feel like it has a nice sense of place like do you feel like andy garcia garcia 
feels of <laughs> the time with the rest of these. Realize he's supposed to play the young, brash, sort of young buck. He's supposed to be the new Sonny. A lot of the parts don't seemingly fit together. Now, I will say that because this one is blessedly shorter, the Coda version that I watched, I mean, not dramatically. It's not like he chopped a half hour out of it. The rearrangement, I do believe the Vatican stuff, that's the first scene. So the, he's trying to get you, okay, here's what the movie's going to be about. Um, I don't think it's going to change hearts and minds, though. I don't think this is, you know, for like the Snyderverse fans, this is not the Snyder cut. So if you no, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I guess we should hashtag that, right? And get some clicks on this episode. <laughs> <laughs> What's funny is that the director's commentary I listened to is for the theatrical version. And throughout the film, you can tell that he, because he talks about the film scenes i was like oh i really wanted this at the beginning and I, and it got me ah so you i kind of got to see the theatrical version through his eyes after watching the coda so uh when the vatican stuff is introduced later on after the these like ceremony scene in the beginning uh, he explains like oh this is what i wanted to do so it is interesting on that level to see the film as it was and how he feels about it now he really thinks that it has become part three instead of Coda uh, by doing all these things. I really don't think so. Even to, to the point where he feels like his daughter's performance has been salvaged. Where <laughs> <laughs> going? You know... My wife did not know who the fuck <laughs> Sofia Coppola was. I don't think she's ever laid eyes on her. She's watched some of her films and has enjoyed them, you know, in certain respects. But as the very first scene with her. She leaned over to me in this mostly empty theater. Uh, they put it in like their biggest auditorium next to IMAX. I'm like, wow, they really overshot the importance of Coda in 2022. <laughs> but I was glad <laughs> to see it on the big screen. And she goes, who who the fuck is that? She's like, is that an actor? And I'm like, well, not not really. She didn't go on. <laughs> no. I was like, you know, she's a director now. You've seen you know, The Virgin Suicides, Lost in Translation. She's like, oh, good choice. Good call. So she immediately like was like... As long as you stop doing this, I'll be on your side. If I know that you kept trying to do this, I'm going to hate you the rest of the time. But no, um, I think he still leaves his daughter out to hang a, a, a lot. There's there's still, there's one scene with her and her father, like, I think it's on a rooftop uh, where he's talking about, like, what he wants for her. Like, he's he set up this sort of charitable organization with blood money of sorts, you know, in, in his dealings. But he's trying to clean everything. He's trying to clean his legacy for his kids. And I don't know. I, I'm I'm like, can we just have Al Pacino just talking to no one? Can we just like <laughs> just do a slow sort of tilt and just into his face and his hopes and dreams? We don't need to see the reaction shot. There's no no reverse shot here. Don't don't just leave it on him. Um, he does that to Pacino too. Like he's, I remember watching the special features that were on the DVD set around the 2001, I think, that um, came out and there's a lot on the Godfather three because a lot of it was filmed as they were in pre-production for the Godfather three. So they're talking about the two classics, but it's him pontificating a lot. And it's like, <laughs> you've got Puzo sitting at this long table and you know, I don't know, like the, the cinematographer or other people, they're like, yeah, yeah. So uh, practically speaking, how do you want us to make this work? And Coppola will just go on these like long monologues to himself where he's like, yeah, I just really want, Michael just to be sitting there just wondering 
what does it all mean? Talking to a dead man in a casket, uh, at the, at the Vatican, talking to a priest to himself in the office. And I'm like, all right, Francis, I know you're going through something right now. Like you've probably reached this <laughs> point. <laughs> like I just watched high fidelity again. Cause it's a comfort food movie for me. And there's a great bit where John Cusack, uh, he's calling up all of his ex-girlfriends. That's the premise of the film to figure out why he keeps getting dumped, which you can imagine that's, Boy, what a great leading male character to, to infringe on other people's time saying, why did you break up with me? Is this something I have? Like, I want to talk about me 20 years later. Somehow he has dated Catherine J. Jones in college, catches up with her in her adult life, and she has no time for it. She's like, you know, look, I understand. Like, I've had a run through with a lot of ex-boyfriends, and they all want to know what does it all mean at this point in their life. And she's like, so if that's what you want, what you want to do, thanks, but no thanks. And I'm like, someone should have gotten a hold of Mr. Coppola and been like, you're not at death's door yet. Like, you don't have to try to tackle all these life questions. And the problem is that Michael is such like a cipher of a character in the first two that to see him openly emote, even if he's by himself or speaking to a dead man, I could see it making audiences kind of uncomfortable where it's like, this just doesn't, it just doesn't sit with me. Like, I understand the trauma that he certainly goes through and he's facing death and betrayal like constantly. But it, for a guy that was one of the best performances, the best roles that was internalized to then tell Al Pacino at this point in time to go big with your emotions. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. It's just, I think, I think he actually at this point does not, he does. It's like George Lucas with the Star Wars movies. It's like maybe a late in life, you don't understand what people liked about your work. You're too far removed from, from it yourself and say what you will about fanboys, Godfather, Star Wars, or Snyderverse, that they can't let go of something they liked when they were kids and their creators clearly can, but I don't, yeah, I can see how you missed here. I will say this after all my complaining, I do think that the Coda version is better. I, I don't, I don't know if this version had been released, if it would have gotten quite the hate. That being said, I did expect less Sofia Coppola. I expected her to barely be in it. Like, it's just, there's my daughter over there, and then she dances or something, and then it's gone. <laughs> but the thing is, you can't, because the character's death at the end is meant to be very meaningful. And it would have been, Webb. You can't take... The less she talked, would have. it would have been more meaningful the less she talked. Just like, oh, that's his daughter, that's sad. Like, But the fact that she talks so much and does it so poorly... You're kind of rooting for it to to happen earlier. Could he have rearranged it that her death is in the middle of the movie? <laughs> and everything else is a flashback. I, I don't know how that would have worked. But no, she is quite terrible. Uh, the, the dialogue, the performance, it's just... And, and I, you know, that was the big hype thing. 
uh, going into this movie is like, oh, she's terrible. You're going to hate her. And I was like, yeah, well, let's see. Because oftentimes people go into hyperbole about things that I'm like, come on, it can't be that bad. And it really, it really was the whole, you know, right in the beginning. And it doesn't help that the plot centers around her and and the Vincent character getting together. You know, hey, Vincent, you want to go in the closet, stick your tongue down my throat and bump uglies? More of this nonsense dialogue Mm -hmm. and and ridiculous plot, which is kind of uncomfortable, even though Coppola has no issues. (laughs) Well, But Coppola, he, he believes that there is an authenticity to it all because he grew up in family reunions where he and his cousins uh, uh, <laughs> banged. <did> feel... <laughs> <laughs> it's it's entirely possible, but he did mention <laughs> when I was uh, sorting through the special features and through the commentary, it was like, yeah, uh, you know, I grew up in family reunions where cousins would get together and they would have crushes on each other and we knew it was all naughty, but we did it anyways. And he even goes so far as to say that I believe his great-grandfather and grandmother were first cousins. So uh, apparently, not that it was normal, but I guess it was normal f- inside his little bubble? And yet... It's the South. It's Kentucky that gets the bad rap for this. At least we have the decency to know it's indecent. Keep it to yourself. Like, try to hide it. Try to lie. <laughs> don't don't go to Ancestry.com. Avoid it. But no, the most you get is uh, Michael Corleone saying, like, eh, it's kind of dangerous because, because of me. It's all about me. It's not the fact that you're all cousins. It's just like... You know, that, this is bad for business. And I'm like, is someone going to say this is fucking gross? Is someone going to yeah. say stop that? <laughs> it's also bad for genetics. <laughs> I, and I'm so glad that you mentioned Coppola's behind-the-scenes, you know, pontification. Because he explicitly says that he felt like he was reliving the death of the Sofia Coppola character over and over when his daughter was being attacked uh, in the press about her terrible performance. He's like, I felt like Michael Corleone in that moment when, uh, because he goes so far as to cite a very specific Vanity Fair article and calls out the author in this fucking commentary yeah, yeah. that took place years later. <laughs> I would love to be A Sicilian that. never forgets, Michael. I would love to be that critic. Like, yeah, that's right. Name check me, you son of a bitch. I stand by it. <laughs> You stink. She stinks. <laughs> the movie stinks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, man. Like, like Coppola is—he's a wild character, and, and there is a sense of arrogance about him. But I mean, how do you not? Because you know, the conversation, Godfather One, Two, Apocalypse Now. There's no doubt that he is an important figure in film history. He is one of maybe like seven or eight directors, not even that, to have won two Palme d'Or uh, awards. You know, so it's like I get it. You're a he, you're a big deal, buddy. But it still rubs me the wrong way uh, hearing him talk about all this stuff. He compares himself to Shakespeare in this commentary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Any chance he gets to talk about how great his daughter is, he does. And as a father of a daughter, I get it. But her her redemption story are her own films. Like, that's that's it. We don't, we don't have to... to uh, 
as as the kids would say, we don't have to like fuck, like fucking simp for her like acting performance here. It's it's not there. And I, I understand there was uh, one owner writer dropped out last minute, and clearly clearly Coppola is big on family. He's a, a Fast and the Furious character unto himself. He's like every Fast and the Furious <laughs> character. Like you mentioning like the yeah cousins just get together and like they, we just fornicate if we want and it's lovely and. <laughs> <laughs> or crushes, as he said, I'm sure. Um, and, you know, having him, I'm sure he thought having his daughter here, he had his, his sister in, in the films and all of that. At some point, <laughs> you, you got to be a fucking professional, my man. Like, you're, yeah. you're paid to do this. And it's, it's a little insulting to the craft of, you know, you have, you've worked with, Brando, Duvall, and I was about to say Pacino, but maybe not here. But you know, the <laughs> Pacino of the seventies, and to just say like, well, just just put my kid in it. I've, I've, I'm I'm a man. I'm a father. I've had a daughter. She can play a daughter. She is a daughter. Like just like all right. <laughs> There's such a thing as fucking chemistry. <laughs> all of that. <laughs> but you know what? It very well could have been that people caught a whiff of this script and was like, whoa, no, thank you. Because uh, Julia Roberts turned it down for Pretty Woman, and good for her. One of the best oh, yeah. decisions she's ever made. That was a great call. Yeah. Hell yeah. And so, I maybe... <laughs> maybe Wait, was she been playing the Coppola. Bridget Fonda role? Surely, right? That's... She, 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 Julia would not have been playing the Italian daughter. <laughs> Whatever. I'm assuming she would have been Bridget Fonda. <laughs> I would have to fact check myself on that. I, I did read that she dropped, and I, I imagine that it was probably uh, more turmoil with that specific role. But yeah, I, I, you're right. Sofia Coppola definitely redeemed herself in film as a director. So good on her. Uh, the rest of this film, you've got. We, let's talk about Vincent Andy Garcia. I think he he is very over the top, and he eventually kind of he has a bit of an arc. He certainly does. Uh, he becomes more like Michael towards the end, and in the beginning, he's more like Sonny, and I do kind of like that. But it's not about him. The story's not about him. He is the one that looks like the professional actor on set. And it looks like <laughs> the uh, audition reel. <laughs> Sofia Coppola, even Al Pacino and company, are the fucking lowly uh, AD number three reading lines off and Andy Garcia is the only actor giving it his all and sometimes it's a little embarrassing for him because he is so up and it's like I don't know if this is meta or just me adding to it I'm like he's looking around the room like can one of y'all bring it do any any of y'all have a fucking <laughs> fastball left like come on like I'm I'm biting yeah. people on the ear you know I'm, I'm I'm stomping around I've got all this machismo um yeah he's he's yeah <laughs> your your eyes crave <laughs> an actor that has his wits about him and Garcia is that for you. I think you're you're right on. Watching it on the big screen only amplified that that every that every time Garcia except when he's kissing his goddamn cousin. That just ugh. ugh. <laughs> <laughs> it, the the story is extremely convoluted. Uh, the acting is kind of all over the place. And by the end, I mean, especially like, right after the the classic, um, you know, as soon as I'm out, they pull me back in. Line he has that uh, was it a stroke? Um, all so it was it was uh, Orson Welles, you know, throwing uh, <laughs> messing up that room all over again. My wife who works in the uh, medical field cackled at that, like she was, she was throwing her hand. <laughs> like, I can't, <clears throat> I can't with this movie. She's like, I can't even tell you what is happening to him. Like, what what is going on here? Um, 
And I, I just thought, thought, hey, Silk from Sopranos actually did this scene better. Like when they had this as the, uh, the bumper to a Sopranos episode, I was like, he actually did it. He did it more, did it more effectively. Like <clears throat> someone playing James Dean or Elvis feels more like what you think of as James Dean or Elvis because you never actually experienced it. <laughs> Silvio doing that scene is now what I remember about that scene. And then when Pacino, the original version, does it, I'm like, yeah, it's just not quite hitting me like Silvio. He just, I don't know, him pumping his chest. It just, it worked for me. The hair was better too, obviously. Now, I think all that we have talked about, you know, the performance, plot, all of this stuff, yes, it affects the film negatively, but I think what really affects the legacy of The Godfather 3 is the fact that Goodfellas came out that same mm. year mm. and established what mob film, what gangster films are going to be from now on. And even even beyond gangster and, and mob films, what uh, almost like biopics, what they should be and how they should be done. The trouble is... That Godfather 3 feels like a movie out of time. Whereas Godfather 1 and 2 are timeless, Godfather 3 is like, it doesn't have any purpose. And Godfather 3 has to contend with Goodfellas. Which, I'm not in love with Goodfellas, but I know how influential and brilliant that film is. Yeah, I would say Goodfellas set the standard for violence on, certainly in the 90s. I think so many films... The way the way they handled it with horror, but also like we know, like we know, like this is what you came to see. That you're sort of enthralled by seeing these these acts on on screen. There was a certain pleasure to it, um, a, a pulpiness to to Goodfellas, um, and also like a you know, it's just got a smart ass tone where it, it you know the emperor has no clothes there. This whole uh, the, falling in love with the idea of like a family of criminals. And then in Goodfellas, watching every single one of them, like, turn you in for five grand or something of that nature, which is the antithesis of Godfather, that, you know, this this whole, the amount of people they send to their deaths. Even there's a little bit of that here with uh, Andy Garcia. Now, he's far too good-looking. <laughs> that The very large fellow that is sent to the bar, bar and gets, his, you know, a knife through his hand and then gets strangled to get to death with, like, a wire around his throat. Andy Garcia, you know, is asked to, like... Uh, betray me says Michael Corleone he's like well no one would ever believe that I would betray you and that can you imagine that conversation in Goodfellas like I was like I need you to convince him to betray me and someone's saying in this world no one would believe that no one betrays anybody <laughs> yeah <laughs> so yeah that's I hadn't, hadn't really thought about that they were right on top of each other this way but I didn't realize that uh, it did so well like financially this, this must stay record until Titanic like there was so much interest in this movie and I don't know like I don't I don't feel like sequels that usually take this long usually get that in present day I guess we'll see with Avatar coming up if like you can yeah. sort of sustain that hype after so much time away but <laughs> yeah, the Godfather 3 has more more in line with like dumb and dumber beloved classic and then you just you waited too long we didn't want to see these characters old you know we, we did that the first time around with brando what if michael corleone like you know this this the subtitle here's the death of which i do believe in the original original you actually him die and in this version spoiler alert you don't that's you know that's that's actually like a stronger ending to me that he, you still see him living 
with this 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 life desperately tried to to get out of what would you have made if if michael was cast more aside aside opposed to him being the, the focus of it if he if he had truly been placed in like the brando role where his life was behind him and he was taking a step back you couldn't have the scene where you know just when you thought i'm out they pulled me back in if he truly was stepping aside but um do you think people would have respected that move would if if we're not gonna get the michael that they anticipated one from the first two would it have been better for him to be a support to be a supporting this as opposed to his ever like every fart he ever had is like displayed and talked about <laughs> in this in this fucking movie every single thought i guess i'm saying that i, I probably would have been my version wouldn't have been as financially successful, but I think in the long run, people would have appreciated if if they knew in the alternate reality that you and I live in web, <laughs> like I'm going to figure out a way to blame the Godfather part three for Donald Trump being elected. I'm going to figure out how the domino effect <laughs> happened <laughs> for this darkest timeline. I agree. And I think that would have opened the door for a Godfather four and, and somebody else to take the reins because we're just going around and around in a circle, you know, with, with, in this, in this movie, with this character, there's nothing left to say. And that's kind of why he wanted this to be a coda, but this is a two and a half hour coda. Everything about this film pretty much doesn't work. And I feel bad for performances like Andy Garcia's that are pretty decent, but it doesn't have a place in this movie. You know, and like I mentioned, Goodfellas came out. Goodfellas has been, Scorsese rips off himself. You, you watch uh, Wolf of Wall Street, he's just doing Goodfellas again, and it's great. Also, when he gets a classic rock song in his hand, that man will play it over and over in his, in his in the same <laughs> fucking movie. He'll just play it again. I loved it so much in that other scene. Just bring it back. Come on. Uh, yeah, no shame, little little Marty there. I, I think you you bring up Goodfellas, I'll bring up The Sopranos again. Uh, now that clearly had a very very divisive finale, but if you if you want to talk about the characters themselves, unlike Michael Corleone, Tony Soprano was actually able to break the cycle from a pop culture landscape because The Sopranos' influence isn't that great as far as shows ripping off the premise. I'm, I'm sure there were a couple. But it's not like we suddenly had a, a new generation of gangster content. But the anti-hero, you know, your Don Drapers, your Walter Whites, all of those come strictly from the success of The Sopranos. And it's it influenced, like, the last 20 years of television with the dark, brooding, unlikable, but charismatic leading male sort of persona on smaller, you know, television sets. But... um godfather 3 i don't i don't know what its influence was other than maybe scare tactics about like ooh, don't <laughs> don't mess with success too much now that's um i'm trying to think if there was something that came after that was like a uh a sequel but something like the you know of its generation like the exorcist i think already had like already had sequels at that point right like did they wait that long to do the Exorcist, I can't remember if uh, Friedkin was involved with like the first sequel for it or if he had let it go. I don't think so, but I know Blatty came back for part three, which is based off one of his other one of his other books. And at part three, there, that's a part three that actually is uh, pretty good. I, I know we don't talk, I mean, 
<laughs> I don't. The Exorcist. It's we hard to never touch. do that for episode one hundred because we're here to talk about <laughs> shit and only shit. <laughs> in celebration of our podcast reaching this landmark. <laughs> and, and I feel bad. You know, I, I feel like trilogy theory is. is <laughs> you know, we, we've got our Pacific Heights here and there, but for the most part, this is a show about positivity. <laughs> Not this month. (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't think so. that Coppola seems to be doing as he, I, mean, I don't want to get too morbid here, but he's a pro, he's closer to the end than he is at the beginning. And so in recent years, he has revisited a lot of his movies. Uh, the Cotton Club, Apocalypse Now, um, The Outsiders, all doing different versions, trying to salvage the latter half of his career. And, and Godfather 3 falls right in there where he's like, no, no, I think I fixed things now. I mean, I, I can't wait for that Jack special edition. I don't know if that's going to come out. But I just think it's very interesting. And the in his commentary, he's talking about Megalopolis. I'm like, you've been, motherfucker, this was recorded, you know, when the, I think the, when the DVDs came out. And so he's been harping about Megalopolis for decades now. 20 years, yeah, at least. All that wine money is going right into this production. And I wonder if it's going to live up to this hype. I really do. Boy, if I am one of the uh, the many cousins, you know, just in those Coppola orgies, uh, much like in the Descendants, if I'm if I'm the if I'm the the Bow Bridges um, <laughs> cousin, I'm telling Coppola Clooney. Uh, fucking sell your assets. No, we're not going to Megalopolis. <laughs> Give me the wine cash now before you burn this all to the ground. <laughs> you fucking maniac. Stop it. <laughs> and I'm sure there's one cousin who's like, please don't name it Megalopolis. <laughs> anything. Anything, Francis. <laughs> <laughs> 